When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pesky Report. This is episode 216. I'm Brandon, and joining me today, we got Uitso and Hogdale. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Um, all right. Yeah, happy because the Red Sox hadn't, haven't lost all spring. So, Yeah, fantastic. The Red Sox are undefeated in spring training. Uh, I, I think it's officially time to say that we're going streaking, boys. This is this is a pretty epic winning streak or undefeated streak, I guess you would call it, for the Red Sox right now. So pretty excited about that. Hogdale, how are we doing there in Iowa? Dude, straight booling on a Sunday. Uh, I went down, you know, uh, to my uh, best friend's place to go uh, watch the USC fights last night. Hell of a card if you saw it. Like, holy shit. Like, insane night of fights. You know, we're, and you know, we, we're even watching some baseball on the side. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Yeah. Well, speaking of that UFC, and you know, it's it's cool that we got Wito here because he's from Mexico City. Mexico is trying to take every single UFC championship right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it was a good night for Mexico. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I had and money John on Shevchenko, Jones. fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and John Jones. John Jones making his uh, triumphant return to the UFC and uh, oh, he owned. dominating the heavyweight division. <sighs> it wasn't even literally last like two and a half minutes. That was nuts. Yeah. Um, oh, well, well, we'll see what Stipe Miocic has for him coming up next. Uh, the, this is, and you mentioned a little bit of baseball on the side. Spring training baseball is still going on and we're very amped to get to the regular season. Uh, but we we do need to, to kind of shift gears and, and put on our medical hats for, for a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we do follow some pretty notable doctors on Twitter and we get our updates from them. But according to the National Health Service of England, a grade one hamstring strain is a mild 
muscle pull or a strain. So that doesn't sound like it's anything too, too terrible while a grade two and a grade three hamstring uh, injury can be a partial or complete muscle tear, which has a much longer expected recovery time for a grade one. We're talking about a few days to about three weeks. So that being said, the Red Sox have had a rash of injuries early on in spring now with uh, James Paxton leaving the mound after five, uh, five outs. So in one and two thirds innings, he left the, the game, had a little bit of a, a cramp in his hamstring, left the game diagnosed with a grade one hamstring strain. And Connor Wong has suffered a setback uh, with his hamstring injury as well. So uh, what do you guys think about this? Is this anything that's really cause for concern or do you think this is just uh, – eh, it's to be expected. It's early in spring training. These guys have been not really pushing their bodies to the limits for the past few months, and now they're just trying to get back into the swing of things, and they've hit a little hiccup. Well, yeah, I mean uh, – no, go uh, ahead, man. Sorry, no. You, you first. Well, this is the kindest podcast I've ever been on. It's like, it hey, really you know, is. let you go first. You know, it is. Yeah. When, when Ed's here, he's like, yep, I'm taking the, I'm yeah. taking this question. <laughs> shut up. I'm talking. Yeah, dude. Ed's always just like bullying me, man. He's just like fucking, you shut the fuck up. This is my <laughs> question. This is my time to shine. And, you know, this is, this is just the side of Ed Hand that y'all don't get to see, you know. We edit this out. You know, he really, just a tyrant ruling <laughs> over the Pesky Report podcast. You just never see this. Anyway, what, <laughs> back to the actual question at hand. It's whatever. I mean, like it's like you said, it's a few weeks into spring training. I mean, fucking whatever. They'll be. They should be fine. Uh, I, I get like it, it's like we're we're Red Sox fans, and like uh, anytime the minorest inconvenience happens, uh, everyone flips the fuck out because and no one in this fan base has a single ounce of chill. But it should be fine. They'll be fine. They have depth. What we're worried about our catcher depth. Like fucking. <laughs> even if we went down to like uh, Ronaldo Hernandez, he's not a terrible option. And let alone uh, yeah. Alfaro and uh, Reese McGuire, we're both fine. Like yeah, it's we have plenty of depth. I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, I'm with Hogdale. I I don't think it's really an issue. Like uh, Crawford has been pitching well this spring. I think he can fill uh, a rotation spot like uh, a couple of weeks and then we'll be fine. I, I think I don't mind losing a couple of weeks of Paxton or Whitlock if they come fully healthy in mid-April. It's it's fine. And, and like they'll say, I think Jorge Alfaro has been really good. I think, uh, in fact, I think they are considering him for a roster spot even with one healthy so so yeah i i don't i think there's a lot of people um making a lot out of nothing i i i tend to agree with both of you that it's uh boston media we're we're going to to try to make an issue out of a non-issue thing uh but that that's a great point we tell about um Jorge Alfaro, Aquaman, this dude has been playing very good ball uh, going back to the Winter League where he was just mashing homers left and right. And I was doing a little bit of research on him, and his contract with the Red Sox is a little bit interesting. 
in that he has an upward mobility clause in his contract. So uh, what that basically means is that the Red Sox have until March 25th. So at the time of this recording, about 20 days, three weeks or so to determine if he's going to be on the 40 man roster and most likely on the 26 man roster, because even if he's on the 40 man, if he gets option to triple a, he could still choose to leave and go somewhere else that would offer him a big league spot. So essentially March 25th is going to be the, the D day for the Red Sox to decide if he's going to be on the 26 man or not. And he's having a pretty good spring. And with, Connor Wong missing some time and not really, you know, getting the playing time right now, they might put him on a slow track. Connor Wong could start the season in AAA and actually benefit from it by getting more reps every single day. And then whenever he's ready to come back up to Boston, he would be more in the groove. I think with young players, sometimes putting them in these platoon positions is actually detrimental to them because they're not getting those everyday reps. So somebody like Connor Wong could benefit from being injured so early in spring training. See, I don't know if I completely agree with that kind of mindset, though. Connor Wong is 26. He's 26. He is still young-ish. I mean, catchers can take a bit longer to develop. At the same time, though, I've never, since like he got his first cup of coffee almost two seasons ago, thought that he wasn't, uh, up to the task or like he looked overwhelmed. I really think this guy can be, you know, an everyday kind of platoon catching catcher for you. Uh, I really didn't mind at all going into the season with him being your backup catcher option, or if, even if he like stepped up and was the starter. I mean, if, if, Hey, if they think Alfaro ends up being better then yeah, go with him. And like you said, he has that upward mobility clause. If they think that, if they think it's the values just about the same, then yeah, retain him because, Wong has options, just send him down. But I just, uh, I think he's ready. I I like Connor Wong quite a bit from what I've seen of him. I think when it comes to uh, like, if we're looking at Wong and Alfaro specifically, and we're, we're not factoring Reese McGuire into this equation at all. I think I prefer Alfaro just because he offers a lot more pop. Uh, The, the defense I get yeah. Wong. Wong is a better defensive catcher, but as Hogdale likes to point out, defense is for nerds. No one cares about that. Objectively true. Oh, also, his uh, his flow is immaculate. The flow, yeah. yeah. That hair flip gif is amazing. I mean, anytime like that the camera's on him for an extended period of time, I got to go change my pants. Like it's a uh, <laughs> for it, sure. It's it's really tough, you know, being a fan of this team. Sometimes just the amount of handsome <laughs> dudes on this team. Very sexy team. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, in an ideal scenario, I like Alfaro like DHing on or at or in first like platooning. But uh, if I had to pick between Wong and Alfaro right now, I I pick Alfaro too. So with that being said, st- sticking with the catcher issue, say say Carter Wong does have a bit of a, a hiccup coming back from this hamstring injury and he is going to start the season in triple a or on the IL. Uh, do the Red Sox need to sign another catcher right now? Or are you confident with McGuire Alfaro and then the minor league depth of, uh, uh, 
oh, what's his name? Uh, Ronaldo Hernandez. Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo Hernandez. I was thinking Hernandez, but that I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> the combo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, I, I really think their depth's more than good enough because, I mean, it's a grade yeah. one strain. He's not going to be out for a super long. Plus, I mean, Ronaldo Hernandez, at least defensively, seems like he'd be up to snuff. I mean, just to cover for a week or two. I mean, I, I don't think he need to go out and sign another guy. I, I know we've seen a lot of people, uh, even some within our own group, that are really, really petitioning for Gary Sanchez to be signed by the Boston Red Sox, bring him in. And hey, I don't hate that. I can't get behind it, man. I, I really can't. I I know Brady has been championing the, champion, championing the idea of Gary Sanchez being the, uh, the guy that the Red Sox need to sign. And uh, I just, I cannot get behind it. This is a guy that, yeah, he he has pop when he actually makes contact, but do we really want another guy that that has the same prowess as a a, a Bobby Dahlback, a midseason Bobby Dahlback that's just striking out three out of four times? I I can't get behind it. The idea of Gary Sanchez being on the Red Sox, fi- refinding what made him great, and then like shitting on the Yankees like multiple times a season brings me so much theoretical joy in my brain. So for that reason alone, I wouldn't hate it, but he's fine. Right. As of right now, he's a fine player. Uh, Other people like still are kind of caught back up into like the four years ago mindset that his defense is terrible. It's really not. He's vastly improved on the defensive end. Problem is uh, that came at a cost of, he can't hit nearly as well as he used to anymore. So now he's like a slightly above average defender and a pretty mediocre to bad hitter, which is a bit unfortunate. But uh, I mean, if you want to bring him in, if they if the Red Sox front office like saw the untapped potential, wanted to bring him in, fine, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I I'm, I just can't get on board with it. How do you feel about El Gary Witzo? Um, I can I'm kind of in the middle. I don't see any need for him uh, in the team, but. Uh, the moonshots he used to to laser over the monster were so pretty. Like I wouldn't mind seeing that. Like every four weeks, you know. Now the the one caveat that I would say is if he was a lefty, maybe because you already have a, a right handed thumper with Alfaro, you don't need to bring in another righty pull hitting catcher that is going to strike out a lot. No, uh, Galaxy, bring, it, bring him in, play him at like DH and have Turner play second. There you go. Now we've solved the too many lefties in the lineup problem. Wake up, there sheeple, you go. open your there third you go. eye. Just just <laughs> force these guys to play positions that are unnatural. Uh, yeah, call us we do have a comment. Rumors. We do have a comment uh, about people playing out of position a little bit. And uh, the what are our thoughts about rolling with three catchers? So say Wong is able to come back and he's healthy, ready to go for opening day. What are our thoughts about rolling with Wong, Maguire, and Aquaman with Wong and Aquaman's ability to, to play multiple infield positions, DH, first base, etc.? I am fine with that. Because yeah, from what I've known from Connor Wong and the Miners, he is a super utility guy. He can play... Uh, I'm pretty sure he can play a little bit of second. I know he can play first a little bit. And, I like, why not? I mean, if uh, if you don't see a better bench option, like if you think those are the, the, the best bench options for, like, a depth in, uh, infielder, then why not? 
Now, if you wanted you know carry an extra outfielder instead, you don't want to go the the Tapia route or go the I'm you know losing my brain with all the other t- players on this team like a Hamilton or you know a lot of those other guys that we've talked about. I completely get it, but I don't I don't completely despise it. Yeah, I don't hate it either. I think my only like complaint is that I really hope to be seeing Casas and Devers like every day. So, so yeah, I, I think how much first base could they play, you know, uh, Wong or, or Alfaro. And I really like uh, Turner at the age. So they they be playing very sporadically, I believe. And and Turner has also been getting reps at first base as well. Yeah. So yep. that's another guy that can give uh, Cassis a day off. He can give Rafi a day off. So I don't I don't think that uh, that's really uh, a, a a make or break thing for me. I think for me, I would rather have the uh, additional flexibility with outfielders and speed to run the bases. But if that's the way they go, I do I do really like Aquaman's pop. Yeah. Um, we, we we talked a little bit about Paxton, but he's not the only pitcher that is is maybe not going to be ready for the opening day series. Uh, in fact, I believe three-fifths of our projected starting rotation might not be available to start the regular season. How big of a deal is that? Is this a big deal, Hogdale? Uh, you know, for most Major League Baseball teams, if you said going into the – you know, first game of the season that three-fifths of your starting rotation is out, you'd be hitting the panic button. For the Red Sox this year, it's not. I'm here to – it's not. It's not even a little. Because uh, this Red Sox rotation, as some people, like, if you were paying attention going into the season, is seven or eight deep. So, like, right now, I think off the top of my head, the starting rotation would be Sale, uh, Kluber, so you have Sale, Kluber, you've got uh, Pavetta, Paxton. obviously. Yeah. Well, pa- if Paxton misses, you know. Oh, if he misses, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about the guys we still have. And then you get like uh, the minor league options like Winkowski, who we know can start at least a, a few games. And same with Cutter Crawford, who was promising at times last year. And again, these are not long-term injuries. Like, we're talking worst-case scenario, they missed like, two or three weeks at the start of the season. And I seriously doubt that'll even happen. I bet most of them will miss like a week or a start if that. So you got five guys there that can make major league starts. We saw them make major league starts. They have the potential. There's really nothing to panic about. And like past that, the bullpen's still really good. It's still really, really good. I didn't even mention Tanner Houck. I I Tanner Houck. Yeah, I, I think that's the important thing of what you just said. We have the ability right now to pull from the minor league system quality starters, guys that can go out there and give a quality start, and you're not going to sacrifice a bullpen game, which is going to make your bullpen weak for the next few games as guys are trying to, to get recovered and healed up from that and all that stuff which ultimately is going to lead to the bullpen running out of energy come June or July, if you're relying on these bullpen games all the time. So I think that's great that we do have the, the depth and the flexibility there. 
But I do think there is a little bit of cause for concern uh, just because guys like Paxson have a, a proven track record of being injured. And, you know, Sale, he's he's been great in his career, but here lately we haven't really seen his greatness. Um, we, we really haven't even gotten a full effect of how he's going to look after his Tommy John surgery because he only lasted for such a short time after that before the next freak injury happened. So can he come back and be serviceable? Like we have a lot of questions with the guys that are even healthy. So, and then it, you know, with uh, uh Bayo's injury or not injury, but his tightness in his elbow soreness minor setback but could it eventually become a bigger problem if it's untreated could it be something like with uh trevor story where it's a nagging injury that eventually he has to go under the knife to get it fixed like these are questions that i think are are fair to consider i'm not ready to slap the panic button yet but i do see how some people could be tiptoeing that line because if one thing goes wrong, then all of a sudden it could avalanche. I feel like some people over-obsess over the Red Sox rotation sometimes, though, because when the Red Sox went to the ALCS two years ago, their number one pitcher was Nathan Eovaldi. He was Back. your number one. Yeah. And that bullpen was not nearly as good as the one is this year. <laughs> and I just uh, – really, the Red Sox, I've said this for years, they're always built on the offense, and I feel like – the offense this year is going to more than make up any de- for any deficiencies, like more than make up. People are severely overrating the loss of Xander Bogarts. Severely, <laughs> he could not hit for power last year, guys. He could not at all. <laughs> this man could not slug. Yeah, I, I agree. I I, uh, I think I I may I'm worried be uh, in the Paxton situation because I think knowing his history, it, it can snowball into other stuff, but. Uh, with Bayo, with Whitlock, I'm not that worried. I, I really think like Hawk, they'll, he, they'll be missing maybe two weeks and they'll be back. And in the meantime, we only need like five guys who can give us six innings per game, which I think the rotation as it is uh, can give us that. I am a, a firmly believer of the Chris Sale resurgence. I, I think he'll be He'll be uh, healthy. I I think he'll be pitching uh, at least twenty starts this year. So, yeah. Uh, and in the others, I think Kluber is very serviceable. I think the same uh, uh Pivetta. I think Hawk can take um, a couple of stars without problem. He he has the ability to do so. So, yeah. I I I also I have faith. In the rotation, I hope it doesn't start start going off the rails. So that's the thing, though. Is like uh, debatably with how good the bullpen is this year, you really don't need to get six innings. Just get to five. If you could just get to five on a regular basis, you know, pass it off to like these five, like they got like five or six, like genuinely quality arms that you can go to and like trust and rely upon, and they can take you to that promised land. And you know maybe uh, to to save them every once in a while you need a, a Nick Pavetta to you know pull seven innings out of his ass which he does like semi regularly, or you know you need a Chris Sale to do it this year if he can, or Kluber Kluber did that he he ate innings amazingly well last year 
for who was he with Tampa? Did a great yeah. job eating innings. Yeah, I, that's that's one thing that I don't want to see early on though is a lot of don't short starts out. by the starters. Yeah, don't like match the bullpen. <laughs> last year when when you know Rick Hill was averaging like four innings every start or whatever, and then you would have the bullpen the rest of the way that we saw was very taxing later on. And as good as this bullpen is like, there are some quality arms with, you know, Shriver and um, uh, Chris Martin. Walker, uh, Chris Martin, uh, Kenley yeah, Jansen. Jansen. You, you have some solid arms back there. And then you got Brazier who, I mean, I guess you could throw him in for blowouts, but yes, <laughs> I mean, but the, the the big question that I have with the bullpen even is who's going to be the guy that can go out there and get multiple innings? Will that be a Hulk? Would be would Hulk be that guy that you want to go out there and say, hey, we need three out of you today because the starter got shelled in the third? Can he get you to that sixth? As of right now, it probably would be Hulk. I think, I think so it. too. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, unless they slide him into the starting rotation, like we said earlier, for uh while some of these guys are up, which who knows? I really, there's just so many options that the Red Sox could go with in terms of like what their actual plan is that it's, it's a bit hard to predict, but I think how more than can, you know, fulfill the Garrett Whitlock of two years ago role of just, uh, you know, piggybacking off these starters who have a bad game. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, Let's move on from uh, the the kind of depressing things like injuries and if the the rotation is going to hold together and focus on some of the good news that's that's come out of the spring training, and that is that the Red Sox are still undefeated. They have a record of six zero and three, which is the longest spring undefeated streak for the Boston Red Sox since 2018, and we all know what happened in 2018 pretty good things came of that season and tomorrow's a sale day tomorrow's a sale day oh god it's just beautiful it's all gonna come together the vibes have just yep. been so good this spring they've just cool. been so good the vibes have been incredible and i i think guys like kike hernandez and even uh verdugo verdugo's contributed to vibes in a major way uh, you know, like with the, the World Baseball Classic and all that stuff coming up, Verdugo brought the mariachi band in and, and they they had a a real fun, like, I guess, presentation on, on uh, Mexico for, for their part of the World Baseball Classic culture and stuff. And I think that's just awesome that, that uh, Cora is kind of letting them be themselves early on in spring and letting these uh, these big leaguers kind of assume leadership roles in their own unique ways. Yeah. You know, you know, so I love that they're doing that, you know, not, you know, shitting on the younger players for being a bit different. Like, you know, some other team that will not go mentioned here for, they are a bunch of piss baby cowards, but you know, we, we move away from them, <laughs> you know? And yeah, Verdugo, I, I called him last time, uh, man, the dude's the, uh, the vibe composer of the Boston Red Sox. This man composes the vibe. And he's uh he's he's setting he's just setting a, a a pace of it, man. I just fucking I'm just I'm so ready for this Alex Verdugo breakout. He's gonna be so good this year that now that like the shift has been limited, even though uh it's not uh it's not completely gone as we saw in the game 
not long ago, if you really yeah. can't hit to left field, I mean, then, then it's not really <laughs> Joey Gallo fucking crying. He's like, oh, I thought it was <laughs> over. Fuck. <laughs> the nightmare continues. Yeah, the, the the new the the new shift is is definitely interesting, but I gotta wonder like, what what could this possibly bring to the game if teams if teams are gonna start utilizing this? Guys like Rafael Devers is just gonna laugh at you because he'll smoke a ball to the to the gaps and he'll run he'll have more triples this season than he's had in his entire career. And that's the thing. That's why this this uh, newer version of the shift, I don't mind it at all because you're taking a much, much bigger Huge risk. Huge gamble. Yeah. Like, yeah, if the ball is hit the left field, it's an automatic triple. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, and we have guys like Devers, like Yoshida, that we know they can go opposite, even Verdugo, uh, if, they, if they want to. I, I don't think that this will be a shift for everyone, like yeah. how the, the other shift became. I think this is going to be one of those things like only certain players. It's for the are most extreme circumstance. Somebody like a Joey Gallo, who if if you had a gun to his head and told him to hit the ball to the opposite field, he would not do it. He, he just he is purely incapable of hitting to the opposite field. So of course you're gonna you're gonna shift that over, and why not? So, but I I, I do think some guys are going to get a lot more respect and they're not going to even attempt that because of the fact like somebody like a Devers or, you know, there, there are players on every team really that you could look at and just be like, yep, you're not going to do that for that guy because he would smoke you and end up on third and you would stand there looking retarded. Yeah. Dude, Raffi's going to go nuts this year. We've seen it already oh, with a few instances of like balls that he'd hit that before in the shift would just be gobbled up. It's it was so frustrating the last few years too because Raffi more often than not is murdering these baseballs like line drive into right field and oh cool the the, the fucking third baseman standing over there cool thanks yeah <laughs> yeah like, it when balls are just like trickled to the second baseman it's like okay shift or no shift that's an out but whenever you murder a ball and it's a hundred and twelve off the bat and it's it's between the first and second baseman but it, like you said it goes to the third baseman who's just standing in shallow right field it's like okay that sucks it's like you're but playing MLB seen... the show and like yeah, you hit the perfect perfect and it's like a fucking out on the warning track like motherfucker god damn it what do i play this bullshit game so that's real life for these players it's such a tragedy bro but this year, this year to your point we've already seen in spring trading that rafi's got two or three singles just right to that that sweet spot and I think that's going to continue all season long. It's I'll go out on a limb and say that he hits 360 this year. Let's go. It's well, beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, let's see. Another another piece of good news that we did get from this week is uh, Baseball America has officially put out their rankings for MLB farm teams. And the Boston Red Sox were tenth. No, but but I, I I I thought I thought we saw reports not long ago that the Red Sox were like twenty sixth, like you know bottom third of the league. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I thought I thought I, I thought the farm was terrible. What happened? They stink. Don't have any pitchers. They can't. They just they have no depth. 
But somehow, Baseball America ranks the Sox farm system as 10th in baseball. So, uh, are, are you trying to say that Baseball America is a most reputable source than Keith Lowe? Oh, may, maybe, maybe, maybe that's yeah. what we're, we're alluding to here. <laughs> yeah, just for no a clarity, uh, you know, a peek behind the curtain. I actually put this in, uh, in the, uh, our conversation before the show of like stuff we were going to talk about. I actually put in brackets, suck my ass, Keith Law, when I put that in. <laughs> I don't really mean that. Keith Law, he's one dude. It's his one opinion. He's allowed to think whatever he wants. But it's just like for us who's taking his word as gospel, the Red Sox have a really good farm system. I mean, I'm pretty sure anyone you know that are not Keith Law could have told you that. I, I don't – I got nothing against him, though. I mean, he's a reputable guy. He's been in the industry for a very long time. I just think he's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, and very wrong. I, I don't see, like, a lot of what Ed has said on Twitter. Like, how can you put them below, like, 15? Like, the, the farm has been rebuilding. And... Just for the guys, like, by themselves. Like, they have some of the most high-end premium guys in the league. And I think, yeah, he rated them, like, what, 20, 26? Like, come on, man. Like, Marcelo Meyer, like, is a consensus. Everyone agrees, like, this dude's probably going to be an all-star. <laughs> yeah. You got Marcelo Meyer. You've got Sedan Rafaela. You've got just talent everywhere. Like, the, these are guys that are drawing comparisons to, like, current big leaguers and former MVPs with the amount of talent that they have. Like, Will they get to Miguel that point? Blay? Miguel Blay, though. Like, really? <laughs> the bottom third of the league farm system? Come on, Keith. Get out of Come here. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh. So somebody, somebody's a Yankees fan. That's all there is to it. Maybe. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's insane. But Baseball America and has the Red Sox also, Tristan Casas is still a, a prospect, isn't he? Technically, yeah, he technically is still a prospect, yeah. Yeah, sir. Yeah. And, yeah. and Tristan Casas is about to be the uh, third ever Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season. Yeah. And a Gold Globe. Uh, yes. Platinum, actually. I'm willing to go on that ledge. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I believe Cass it. Is gonna be so what cool. was amazing to witness was all the the people that were talking trash after the Kid Lowe's ranking went silent. They the couldn't find them. You know, they're, they're on the milk carton. Like, where, where are they? Uh, that's the way it usually is in, in uh, Boston media. Wh whenever it's something oh, negative God. about the Sox, they're the absolute loudest people on the planet. But when something positive about the Red Sox comes out, you can't find anybody willing to talk about it. Gotta love Boston media. Thank God that Lou Merloni is out of that fucking shitscape and he can just, he just like love the Sox and like, you know, be honest. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, Wow. Guys, I'm seeing a tweet from uh, Pete Abraham right now that uh, boy. Will Your Abreu um, uh, has a left ham hamstring strain. So that's another hamstring an injury epidemic. for the Boston Red Sox. And oh Cora says he'll be out for a while. So that one that indicates that this one's probably more severe than just the grade one. Uh, flipping back to our medical journal that we looked at earlier, medical uh, grade two tends to be a partial tear. And the recovery time for that is about three to eight weeks. Yeah, no uh, grade three is a complete tear, and that could be a much longer recovery. So 
hopefully Abreu is able to uh, to be at least in that middle category, only miss a maximum of about two months, and then be able to get back into the groove uh, once the minor league season is is kicked off. But that that sucks. That's a that's a big blow. Uh, Willier Abreu was one of the guys, uh, along with Valdez, that was brought over from the Houston Astros in the Christian Vasquez trade last year. So he's yeah. he's contributed contributed to the the spring training streak that we're on, and uh, you know definitely hope that he's able to recover. Somebody needs to fire the the, the coach that's in charge of stretching hamstrings. Apparently. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a bad deal right now. Uh, the it's hamstrings are being taken. Funny, interesting story. It's Heim Bloom. <laughs> yes. Heim Bloom's taking him out. <laughs> Dude, I, I thought he had diverted his attention to the other team, but I, I guess it's fucking. He, he had to come back for one last go around on his own roster. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a bully! What an absolute bully that Dude, guy almost as big into. a bully as Ed Hand. Like man, I mean, it's when it comes like the bully tier list S tier. I mean, Ed and Heim Bloom are just fighting it out up there. Man, ridiculous. Um, you know, something else that's exciting, and it's something that we are all part of, Ed included, and it's the uh, the first ever Pesky Report Fantasy Baseball League, and uh, we are set to draft our teams this coming week. Um this coming Wednesday, actually. And I'm sure this is going to be a topic of conversation every Sunday on the, the Pesky Report since yeah. all of us are going to be in this league. We're all associated with the league. I think only Doink from the weekday shows is is in the uh, group. Is Brady in it as well? I can't I can't remember. He's probably busy um, being like, um, you know, having major dad energy and rooting for the Rangers and shit. I don't, I don't can't remember probably. if he's in it or not. I, I yeah. can't remember if... Brady is in is in the fantasy he, league. He isn't okay. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if he wasn't. I do I love that man. Is. I yeah. gotta yeah, say yeah. though, I mean, uh, I I'm very looking forward to this league because I'm gonna run this shit. Uh, I'm very, I'm just, I'm, I'm really good at fantasy sports. Uh, last year was an absolute tragedy for the fantasy league I was in. Uh, my starting rotation was uh, McClanahan, Verlander, Wheeler as my one, two, three. Oh. Come playoff time, all three of them got hurt. I was fucking shook. I was yeah. unbelievably shook. And the fucking, I lost um, my league because of it. Correction, Brady is in the league. No. I just looked, he, he is in the league. So the only one from the weekday show that isn't in the league is Brad. And he said that he just didn't want to be because Brad's he's got baby. other stuff going on. Yeah. So, uh, but. It is going to be a topic of conversation, and Hogdale thinks that he's going to run this league, but what he doesn't know is is I'm going to actually run this league, and uh, I've been doing some mock drafts over here, and I'm getting myself prepared for draft day. Um, I don't know who I'm actually going to take yet because – Ed hasn't given us our positions where we're going to be. You're gonna drafting. be absolutely shook when, like, I take like Tristan Cass's number one overall. You're gonna like ruin all your mock drafts. You'll be completely confused. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would ruin a lot of things for me, actually. <laughs> and that's another thing that that will be interesting going forward in this league. Is it's it's a what are we calling a keeper league or a dynasty league or whatever? Like we. We're, we're basically going to draft our team that we're going to have for the foreseeable future. So 
drafting guys that are upwards in their MLB careers, like somebody like a Mike Trout might not be the most ideal draft pick early on because he's older, maybe doesn't have as long to play. Uh, so, so getting somebody that's a little bit younger, maybe more advantageous long-term. I don't know. I, am I looking too much into this? Maybe. Who knows? I'm really good at drafting young guys. I'll tell you that. My fantasy league last year, I got Bobby Wood Jr. and fucking uh, Jeremy Pena as my shortstops because I didn't have, get to – I missed out on all the good ones. I, I thought at the time, I'm like, okay, I'll go young upside. Look at that. I'm a scout. Yeah, it good. worked out for you. <laughs> I'm drafting kickers. That's all I'm drafting. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's fucking go. Um, let's let's you know. I've that's kind of all the Red Sox news that that I have on on this uh, episode. But I do want to kind of hit some notes from around the rest of Major League Baseball because there has been some stuff that has happened in Major League Baseball that I feel like we should talk about. Most notably. Mike Clevenger's ruling that he will not face any sort of suspension. Um, you guys have any thoughts or opinions about that? Yeah, it's bullshit. Yes. <laughs> the greatest superpower you can have in the United States of America is money. Uh, so, if, you know, if you really view up, uh, my uncle taught me this as a person who got caught drunk driving a lot. Uh, never once got a conviction because uh, if you keep throwing money at it, it will go away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, you know, sadly, it's how things work. The country yeah, we live that, in. It, it sucks because it seemed like it seemed like there was going to be so much evidence and so much testimony that could lead to this guy just never throwing a pitch in Major League Baseball again. We we seem to have a clear pattern of this guy just being an absolute dirtbag. But makes sense that he's some, uh, you know him and Trevor Bauer are great friends. You know it, uh, it does add up. The math is math. That, here. that does check out. Um, but man, Clevenger's not going to face any kind of suspensions. He's not going to face any kind of disciplinary action on the field or off the field. And presumably, he'll be allowed to pitch for the Chicago White Sox this season. Yeah, it sucks. Not the yeah. first time uh, a really objectively bad person is played in the game of baseball, but that's, it, it doesn't make it any less unfortunate. Um, you know, the Red Sox are also not the only team that's experienced any kind of injury concerns. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was diagnosed with a minor knee inflammation and is not going to be able to participate in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, do you, Does anybody know his status and if he's going to be ready to start the season or is this going to be something that's going to set him back? Mm, I don't really know. I'm not sure. I don't think there is enough information out yet. Although uh, if you look at the Dominican uh, world baseball classic lineup, they'll be fine. (laughs) They still have like fucking uh, a lineup with like what, like Juan Soto uh, and like any other like, if you look at the top 20 best hitters in the league, I think they have like six of them in that lineup. Yeah. How crazy is it that the Boston Red Sox have one player listed in the MLB uh, top 100 list and the Dominican Republic team has like eight. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. And Rafi's one of them. And Rafi's <laughs> one of them. One of them yeah. overlaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thoughts. 
Uh, let's see. According to Ben Nicholson Smith, Vlad Guerrero Jr. said that his right knee's already feeling better, but he still wants to be patient. And the priority was the Blue Jays, so he withdrew from the World Baseball Classic. Uh, so maybe it's not going to be anything that impacts the regular season. Just don't but risk anything. Yeah, don't want to risk it, but Listen, definitely something a, to keep an eye on. It's a big strain on his legs, like you know, keeping that gigantic, gigantic dump truck of an ass you know like you know standing it's tough on his knees bro you know they're screaming I mean, out I, can, I can imagine i can imagine it is a wagon um brad hand much to the the chagrin of our podcast and one podcaster in particular mr ed hand signed with the colorado rockies for a pretty pretty team-friendly deal if we're being honest um, makes you makes you think that the Red Sox could have made a move, but they didn't for some reason. Uh, I like Brad Hand. I, I did want him on the Red Sox at one point in time. He has aged quite a bit since then, so it's it's unfair to say that he would still be uh, a key component in the bullpen. But do you think he'll have a, a decent season out in Colorado? Uh, I hate the Rockies and everything that they stand for. So uh, I could give a fuck less if he has a good season or a bad season for him. They are just such a uh, – they're just everything wrong with Major League Baseball. Just fucking – they do nothing to, like, actually try to win. They feign at being competitive. They pretend like they're going to you know, give out the big contract and pay money. But then, like, you know, a third or halfway through it, they'll trade that player. Like, if anyone actually thinks that Chris Bryant is going to be a Rocky throughout the entirety of that contract is living in a fucking fantasy land. It's, they're a joke organization. I, I despise everything about them, and I hope them nothing but failure and suffering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't hate him that much, I think. <laughs> they have a nice ballpark. It's pretty. I, I think they're fans, fine. too. Uh, I had a player in Road to the Show that started with the rookie, so so I don't hate him. I think they're fine. I think I think Brad Hand will will be will be good. I I don't know what his um, flyout rate is right now, which is like the the important down. thing in Colorado. But but I think he can be very um, decent. You know. I would I would uh, have made it to have him on the Red Sox. I, I I think I would have preferred it like two or three years ago. Now I'm not so sure. The only uh, problem it, uh the Yankees absolutely own him. Like they yeah, shit that's on true. him every meeting. So uh I would that's want very him true. off the roster as soon as the Yankees series came up. Yeah, it's like uh you are just gonna sit out this series. Just uh, go go golf for a while or something. Like yeah, go you'll pretend still get you're paid, a, just don't be here. Go pretend you're Tanner Houck against the Blue Jays last year and go on a fishing trip. You know, it's what we do here. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to have the vaccine to play the Yankees, and that vaccine does not exist for you, Brad Hand. Right. Luckily that's not a thing this year. So I think that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much done at this point. But yeah, it's um, not real. It it fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got anything else you want to add to the uh, the show today, or are we good? Oh no, uh, I think only we're thing. Good. Oh, go ahead, dude. 
silence. Let's go. I was going to say uh, to listeners to the show, like I feel like uh, I don't say it enough. Like I genuinely appreciate every single person who listens to the show. And I really want to encourage like, you know, any of y'all who listen, just interact with us on Twitter. You know, man, just uh, shoot the shit with us. Fucking uh, tell us that our shit. I appreciate it if you did. Merch. Support us. You know, we, we appreciate you. I think Hogdale does get quite a bit of interaction from people on Twitter, basically because he's become a bit of an enigma and people really want to see him play second base for the Boston Red Sox this season. Do the, the people have spoken. Uh, the unfortunately, have the Red spoken. Sox, the Red Sox are cowards. They just, they, they aren't ready for the level of ability <laughs> and talent that I can bring to this organization. Yeah. It's ridiculous. One day they'll wake up and realize the error of their ways. All right, guys, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you sometime in midweek whenever the other crew is on here talking about, I guess, whatever's happened between now and then. See y'all later. Deuces.